listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. I'm with Henry. How are you doing? Hello, Rich. Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Just the two of us again. We, we need to start sorting out some guests. We, we promised guests, but we're being selfish again. Yeah, well, we do need guests, but for this podcast... I think we'll be okay because we have an album which is so good it almost doesn't need an introduction or commentary. It's your choice this week, and you picked you picked an absolute belter of an album. Well, I thought we we mentioned this last week. We wanted to move a little bit away from the guitars for a little while, and you brought us Fatboy Slim, which is big beats and samples. And I've gone to the other end of the electronica spectrum. So we have synths and quietness and elegance and beauty. Stuff that you would listen to the day after a big Fat Boy Slim club night out. Yeah, and it's from uh, an artist who I, at the time, completely dismissed. I sort of did as well. So I should probably mention who we're talking about, which is Air and their brilliant, brilliant debut, Moon Safari. Yeah, it's it's gone down as a classic. I think when it came out, though, this was so far away from the music I was listening to that it was... It was kind of back of the queue. Yeah, uh, I think so. Well, there's a few interesting things there because while they are French, they're not much loved by the French. Maybe only in Paris, really. Which is weird because... So Daft Punk are kind of their stablemates almost. Mm -hmm. And Daft Punk are huge everywhere, including France. And they're almost the star of French electronic music. And in my head, they're kind of the same era they're different musically very different but yeah. they both pr were producing music at a similar time in the late 90s yeah so air are as i mentioned they're a duo they're french they're from versailles actually rather than paris consisting of nicolas godin and jean benoit dunkel which i don't think could be too any more french names <laughs> uh, and apparently air is an acronym of amour imagination and rev which is love imagination and dreams uh, according to the quietus the quietus they're often pretty right yeah apparently it began as godin's project so he was an architecture student he'd been dabbling in music he'd been in an alternative band with dunkel previously to this and then a friend asked him to contribute to something called the modular mix which was released in france and then re-released on the british label in 96 and after that, he asked Uncle if, if he would join Air full-time and, and actually try and make something out of this kind of early project. Got it. And did you start listening to them right from the, the beginning? Because they were... I mean, this was their first album, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting one for me. I remember very vividly watching Air perform sexy boy on top of the pops and being very unsure about why i liked it and what it was all about and what the fuck was going on and so i enjoyed that as a song but i never really pursued listening to this album in that period of the late 90s i only really bought it probably three or four years later once we were at university yeah and i think that's when I almost started realising that songs from that album were cropping up in my life, whether it was through a film or just on the radio. And you start piecing together all these songs and think, 
hang on, they're all on one album. Wait a second, there's some amazing stuff that's just in one place. Yeah, for me, I sort of circled back because Zero Seven were a band, they're an English band that sound very, very similar to Air. They have the same vibe and the same kind of approach to electronica and so i sort of circled back as i was getting into zero seven i think i probably bought their debut and airs moon safari within days or at least weeks of each other because i suddenly realized that they were such a big influence on zero seven and sounded very similar i was loving zero seven stuff i should probably go back and listen to this album more i say bought probably borrowed from the internet until i bought the cd copy yeah yeah so air if you've not heard them and you will have heard them we'll talk a little bit about the actual songs more of which you'll have heard other than sexy boy which i think a lot of people will know if they go and listen to it yeah it's got it's that, that riff that yeah is um it's a, it's the baseline it's a classic so they have a focus on electronic styles, but they've got an array of influences. So everything from classical music, which really comes through in the way they structure their work, through to English, what they call dark rock. So things like Joy Division, prog like Pink Floyd, which is very clear in some of their work, to, and you'll be surprised to hear this, craft work. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they also love their obscure European film soundtracks. It's not really a surprise given the kind of cinematic themes that they have in their music and the fact that they've written a couple of their own. So Virgin Suicides is the one that most people will know. So Sophia Capella's debut film, they did all the soundtrack work for that. And that's a good shout because a lot of their sound is heading towards the kind of more cinematic it's not chill out it's there's more to it than that so you can put these songs behind a, a scene and a visual that it's a bit more interesting well it almost summons up scenes in your imagination it's that kind of music so yeah you're bang on there the difference i guess between this kind of electronic music and the kind of stuff we were talking about last week is that they're much more using electronica as instruments rather than purely doing it through samples so you know, they've got Moog and Korg synths, which are like the classic weapon of choice of anyone in that world. They they use other more standard instruments, so you know, guitars and drums and things like that. So it's 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 a sort of bridge between those different worlds. And it's something that because they came up with it in this kind of Parisian bubble they almost birthed a completely new genre because it wasn't something that you'd really heard that kind of style anywhere else before. You'd had prog rock in the in the UK, which sort of is from a guitars and keyboards perspective quite similar, but no one had done it in this way. It's true, and they've got vocals as well on these tracks. It's not like they're just sampling voices or a lot of similar artists will just um, either sample or just not even have any vocals at all but they they do step into that area so yeah even when it came out even though it was a debut it it did capture the imagination of primarily the critics although it very quickly got them a cult audience in the uk pitchfork had it in its top 10 albums from 1998 across the board it's getting four four and a half five stars from most critics but they really got that vibe more in the UK than anywhere else. So it's gone double platinum here, but it's only sold, I think, a quarter of a million records in France itself. And I suspect a lot of that is from the Paris scene. So they talked about the fact that 
they were birthed into that Parisian electronic scene as it was sort of emerging. Dunkel talks about the fact that Daft Punk were down the street from us in Paris. We could almost hear the music they were making when we opened the window during band sessions. It was the late 90s and Paris suddenly had this incredible electronic music scene. All these clubs were opening up. I didn't go to all the parties though because I was generally at home with my wife taking care of our baby. We were poor. I knew our livelihood depended on air being successful. Wow, that's that's a really cool quote. And yeah. and at that time, I think it's fair to say that before Air and Daft Punk, I think French music generally was not really regarded as anything. It, there wasn't really a scene. Well, they don't regard French music as being particularly good outside of that bubble. I mean, there's a quote from Godin from that kind of time. French people are better at being chefs or fashion designers. Rock music is not really in our culture. Electronic music is different. When we discovered it, suddenly we had an outlet. But it's very much from that Paris scene more than broader France. Yeah. And it's brilliant that it all just appeared at that one time because the English press got it and jumped Mm -hmm. on it and and it's great they did because that music's now gone totally global. And you go to the States, people know Air and Daft Punk. I mean, Daft Punk are international and they're huge. And, and it's straight out of that Paris scene. One of the really interesting things and part of the reason why I think they're not loved in France generally is mostly it's English lyricism. So the French don't like the English language generally. I think they feel that French is better and they, they're sort of, disapproving that this is all sung in English. Yeah, well there's the um the classic of, about their radio stations that must play X percent French music with French lyrics and and I I get it, right? You've been trying to uh battle the English for centuries and then you get to a point where all of your kids start talking in English and I, I I understand the problem, but the English language adapts all the time and we just steal yeah. words left, right and centre. So, Well, the Americans are probably the biggest influence on the English language these days. Well, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, we, we probably talk more American than we do English now. So uh, I, I, I get the the resentment, but Air have done their own thing and, and they're appreciated everywhere else. So, yeah. One of the things that we should note is that there's a lot of normal instruments in this. So they recorded the strings at Abbey Road with David Whittaker, who's an English arranger who'd worked with a lot of people. And apparently they were completely overawed by the whole situation. So they were too shy to even speak to the orchestra. So, and I quote, David took us off to his home in the countryside and we ended up discussing Rachmaninoff. He helped us overcome our shyness and make something massive and expressive. And if you go and listen to some of the strings on here, they're incredible. Yeah, that's an amazing little story. I guess, you know, first album, they're desperate to get it right and they're not doing the party scene, they're just trying to concentrate on music, then you can understand the, the stakes are high. And when you've got an orchestra looking at you going, come on, what do you want to do? I, yeah. I get it. There's all sorts of geeky stuff in here as well that I'd never really appreciated. So Godin talks about Chanson pour Soleil, which is New Star in the Sky. Apparently that came about because he studied astrophysics and was into stars and planets and Einstein's theory of relativity. Love it. And they were singing about space all the time and reading Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. Apparently the characters in the book go on a safari into the past to see dinosaurs and he loved the word safari. Really? So the the combination of the love of astrophysics and the love of the word safari is where the title comes from. from. Fantastic. One other thing that I found fascinating about this is the cover art. 
So it's a really, really recognisable album cover. It is. It's it's a classic. It is. And on Talkie Walkie, which is their third album, there's an instrumental track called Mike Mills, which is apparently dedicated to the chap who was all but the third member of Air in the early days. He designed the cover for Moon Safari. No way! Because I love Mike Mills as a song. Right. It's brilliant. And I, I say so he was the guy that did the artwork. He was the guy that did the artwork. So if you actually look at the cover, one of the things I'd never noticed that's pointed out in the Quietus article is you've got these paint-by-number figures which are sort of very casually painted in a kind of you know someone who's an incredible artist and they just kind of thrown some paint on and made it look incredible yeah and then you've got the air logo with moon safari written underneath if you notice that next to the air logo it says french band oh my god yes i had never noticed that until this article pointed out and i've no looked way. at the album cover tens of times same that's weird <laughs> right it's iconic i mean if you don't know it you'll picture it white background two characters orange and yellow with some kind of weird abstract art in the background it's a classic classic album cover so distinctive i love it i absolutely love it so take us through some of the songs on the album because well we mentioned this before the podcast that you could almost list these but start (laughs) us off with um let's not otherwise we end up with another okay computer podcast episode exactly So, I mean, I have to start with La Femme d'Argent because it's yep. just a wonderful, wonderful way to open the album. So it starts with what sounds like a river running or a waterfall. I'm still not quite sure, but it's basically water running. Mm-hmm. And this drum sample, which it turns out comes from Edwin Starr's Running, which I didn't even know was a sample, but it's one of the few, I think there are four tracks, three tracks on here that have samples, and this is one of them. And then you have that iconic bass riff and the the trademark air synths and strings sort of come in. And it's just wonderful. And I didn't realise this is seven minutes long because it just floats along. No way. It weaves in and around itself. It almost feels like a bit of a jam session and it's just effortless. Yeah, I'm surprised. Again, I did not know it was that long because it just feels like a, a really straight to the point song. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's... Even though I don't think there are any actual vocals on this, it feels like it's got those stories woven into it. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah, this is definitely one where, we were saying this earlier, right from the start of the album, if you shut your eyes, you can just picture images and scenes and Mm -hmm. it's very evocative. Absolutely. And then track two, we have to talk about this. We've already talked about this. Sexy Boy is the track from the album. This is the main single. It's the one that everyone knows. The, what I've termed filthy opening notes are so (laughs) well known. Um, And and this is where I remember them playing it on on Top of the Pops and just being like, I never heard anything like it. And it just blew me away. It's amazing how you can get such a kind of dirgy, filthy bass line that, goes with a song that's so light so quote from godan because i was a guitarist i put it through my guitar amp the bass through my guitar amp which gave this amazing sound very cool and very dry one day i played a riff to jb and he said sexy boy out of the blue and that's how they got the song if they'd sung sexy girl it would have been a disaster it felt different the song was more about who we wanted to be we weren't handsome when we were younger our friends had much more success with girls it's just this like wanting to be that thing rather than necessarily singing to that thing yeah and also part way through the song you get this kind of middle eight where suddenly you get this lightness 
and these kind of much lighter electronic notes that kick in and it almost feels like i don't know almost a chorus but it's like a kind of i don't know like stars flying over your head it's cool (laughs) well they talk about the fact that other bands particularly british and american guitar bands very focused on first chorus first chorus and they were like we just want to make music that flows it's very french their whole yeah. attitude is <laughs> yeah, this great. track in particular i've just got this is so French. It, it is and it's fantastic i mean they've they, yeah. you kind of mentioned the the french style it is so stylish and the it's number effortlessly of, cool and it's so annoying that they're so good at that yeah and the number of times that you either see this in other media or if you've got your headphones in and you're walking down the street and that comes on, it's you can't help but feel cool, even if you're looking yeah. like an idiot. <laughs> Which we normally are. Yeah. The one thing I also want to say about this is I love the little pew notes that have happened throughout <laughs> the song. Yes. So good. You almost don't notice them until you notice them and then you can't miss them. And those notes are different, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. That's not the kind of thing that everyone else does. Right. Fantastic. It's, it's amazing that for a debut album it's so inventive and it's so different to anything else that was out there i mean again it's a combination of a lot of styles but to combine them in this way and come out with this was just so unusual and so brilliant at the time yeah and we we listed so many good albums on the, on our podcast now but in terms of brilliant debuts I mean, you've, you've got to look a long way to go and find a band who do something as, as clever as this. It's, it's, it's very, very good. And a lot of stuff that feels like a band trying to be clever, this doesn't feel like they're trying to be clever. It just feels like they're trying to make great music and it just happens to be clever. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we have talked in the past about bands making incredible albums just because they're on drugs and they're running around partying all the time. <laughs> and and these guys clearly weren't. They're just they're, they're right. focused on their music. So... It's a nice counterpoint to the whole Beatles. You've got to be totally off your face on on something. You've got to be tripping. But yeah. these guys aren't. And it's they've made a lovely album from it. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it, I think, is driven towards being that beautiful, something to relax to type music rather than being something that's like intense and in your face. And All I Need, which is the third of a trilogy of opening tracks on the album. It's a perfect summer chill-out track. Beth Hirsch's lyrics and vocal here is just so beautifully showcased. She's got an incredible voice. On the surface, this all feels simple, but it's so powerful. Yeah, there aren't many albums where I would think about disturbing a brilliantly peaceful summer day with song. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I just like the quiet, but you could allow this because it's so good. Absolutely. And I love the fact that the the acoustic guitar is the focus here and the electronic elements are almost surrounding it and complementing it in the background. This song to me feels like a template for acts like the XX to come along later and do more of this. The the number of bands that would have been inspired by this album is is huge. And I don't think it's just electronic music that people will have been inspired by i mean yeah. i've i've had these tunes playing in my head countlessly and it's going to inspire people yeah and i think again it's that thing of it feels a bit more like it could be a soundtrack rather than necessarily it's an electronica album i think a lot of people who say they don't like electronica would be like oh yeah yeah but i like that but it's not what they think of there is the thinking of edm and this is not that yeah 
I know we said we wouldn't list every track, but I have to talk about track number four as well. Uh, Kelly Watch the Stars is probably the most accessibly poppy song on the album. It bounces yeah. along with this kind of lovely, fun synth thing. And Godan says, I remember talking about who we thought were the most beautiful women in the world. For me, it was Kelly from Charlie's Angels. So we wrote Kelly Watch the Stars about her. <laughs> awesome. And it, it again has those, um, it, it's got the vocals in which uh, they're earworms as well. They do just, just stick in your head. I'm going to be annoying now because I'm going to name the next track because Talisman is one that randomly popped onto my, it must have been a radio play or something, but I I heard it and didn't know who it was and got so excited because I thought I'd discovered a new band that no one else knew. This was just at the same time as this album had come out. And oh, I was like, amazing. yeah, I've got this, I've got this. Uh, oh, it's it's the fifth track on an album that's already like punted out all these other classics. <laughs> that's amazing. I love this track. I wasn't going to mention it, but it it has this brilliant, uh, I think it must be symbols, just uh, like a deadened symbol that kind of pushes everything along and just gives it this sense of urgency that otherwise wouldn't have. It's my favourite non-big massive air air track. I love it. But it's quietly epic. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And it's back to the soundscape kind of movie thing you could... You could definitely build up a scene with this. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, save our listeners from us doing every track. I'm going <laughs> to yes. skip to the end and Le Voyage de Penelope, which closes out the album. And this one does have a very prog rock vibe to it. Uh, the use of the synth vibrato thing going on, where it's like this wah, 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 is... It, it genuinely feels like it could be on a Pink Floyd album from somewhere in the middle of their career. And I actually think that the very final note right at the end of this song sounds exactly like the final note at the end of Eclipse from Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, fair shout. I went and listened to them side by side. And if it's not lifted directly from there, it's a very, very big coincidence. It, it's a great way to finish a, uh, an album like this. And also you kind of think they could just throw this into a live set and this would sound kind of huge when if they'd played this. Yeah, it's a brilliant way to finish an album and I, I really, really like it a lot. Wow, lots of praise, lots of praise for air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We should talk a little bit about some of the following albums because there's some great stuff out there that maybe didn't get the same level of love and appreciation that Moon Safari does. Virgin Suicides, I'm not sure I love listening to this as a full album, but it's not really designed to be a full album. It's a soundtrack to a film, obviously. But Playground Love is iconic from that particular era. Yeah, I, I've I've not listened to the album and I've not actually I've not seen the film. So Really? This is um It's weird. It's all new to me. Yeah, Playground Love is worth listening to. I think anyone listening to it will recognise it. Ten Thousand Hertz Legend, it takes a like a big swerve left of where they've been. And a lot of people didn't love it because it moves so heavily away from their kind of original sound, but it leans more into their interest in seventies prog and eighties classic rock. So there's echoes of Floyd and Queen and Bowie in here. Uh, And I don't dislike it, but it, it didn't grab me in the same way as others, but they talk about it saying they, they didn't move to London at the time or LA 
because they wanted to keep their originality and they say otherwise we would have been part of a professional world we never really wanted to do that we wanted to be more like normal guys who do some crazy stuff in the studio with a free spirit and that's that's their approach to it is they just wanted to make what they felt like but then after that they returned to talkie walkie which really is much more like those kind of moon safari routes i love talkie walkie it's one of my it's right up there with with albums they've yeah really returned to form there and i was almost going to start naming tracks from there because there are so many of them that are (laughs) the first three are brilliant yep venus as an opener is is absolutely fantastic that that piano opening that is just just wonderful yeah Cherry Blossom Girl for me is my standout. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Just a huge track. It's a, this wonderful, lush piece of electronic beauty. Yeah, and um, and we could go on. <laughs> we, we should. We won't, but we should because Alpha Beta Gaga is an absolute oh, belter of a track. It's urgent yes. and it's layered. It's got whistling. You love whistling. So this was at university, and I think the two of us either were exchanging CDs or at this point this was um, a big soundtrack and. And this was a huge part of my my life, actually, in terms of, yeah, firstly having an album that wasn't indie and wasn't full of guitars, but also we go back to the soundscape thing. University is a pretty formative part of your life, and when you're hearing these songs yeah. in your headphones as you walk down the street all the time, what what a wonderful way to to go through those kind of formative years with this as a as a backdrop. Yeah, absolutely. It is a fantastic album. It's not quite on par with Moon Safari, but there's some absolutely wonderful songs on here. Sadly, after that, I sort of lost track of them. I think Zero Seven came out with their first album around the same time as this, and I got very, very heavily into their stuff. And so I'm sure we'll talk about that at another time. But yeah, brilliant album, and I probably should go and dig into some of their later work as well. Yeah. What about live? Have you ever seen them? I haven't. Uh, I've heard not great things about them as a live act. It sounds like they're one of those acts. And I think part of it is just it's such layered and lush music that you'd almost have to pay an orchestra's worth of <laughs> musicians to actually make it work. Yeah. And the vibe as well. I, You can get so relaxed by their music and it's so, it's so wonderful that, I don't know, you'd want to be sitting down I don't think a kind of stand-up gig festival venue would would really work for them so well. The kind of band that you'd want to see with a you know full strings and all that kind of stuff at somewhere like the Albert Hall. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen them? No, no, I haven't, and um, it's kind of a shame because they're definitely someone I'd try and seek out. But you're right; you you need that location which is fitting for that style of music, and um, I, I've just not not done it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we always mention influences, but there's so many with air. Like they spawned a whole new genre of this kind of beautiful, summery, chilled out. Calling them chill out is, it feels a little bit unfair because people think of chill out as being this very basic genre. But, you know, Zero Seven, I've talked about the XX we've mentioned, Morchiba, Groove Armada, Broixop. There's, there's so many that you could think of as having had some influence from Air's way of doing electronic music. Yeah, uh, they, they're trailblazers. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, that, that list of bands that you've you've named, I'm sure are all would all tip their hats in the direction of, of these guys because they've, they've really kind of created something special. Yes, well done, chaps. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Love Air. 
yeah, I think I think that's where we should leave it. That's probably one of the most positive chats on a band we've had, and yeah, they they've done they've done well. It's not often that we fully fully agree on everything, but I think we have here. Yeah, hard to <laughs> hard to dislike them. Yeah, we we are not wrong on this one. We'll fight you on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, all right. Good stuff. If you want to come and talk to us, you can find us on the socials. We're at I Might Be Wrong UK on all of them, pretty much. Not TikTok because eh, we're too old for TikTok. <laughs> if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate and review us. We we've had some amazing feedback from some of you who have messaged us and told us very lovely things and we appreciate it so thank you to those of you who have done that if you could do it in public with a five-star review as well we'd appreciate it even more yeah thanks for the support and we will continue to put out interesting content well we think it's interesting we're often (laughs) wrong but you know this is true all right cheers buddy cheers mate thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong